Hello, non-apologizers. Not sure I want to give a name to my listeners just yet, but anyways, I'm your host, Nikki, and this is Still Won't Apologize, a place where we can have unfiltered conversations about everyday life. I want to take the time and say thank you for downloading this episode and continuing to listen. Join me every other week as I sit down with guests or myself, uh, discuss different paths that life has taken, maybe share some expertise information, or maybe just have conversations about random stuff. Who really knows? Anyways, I promise you that you will either laugh, cry, or quite possibly give you something to carry with you as you navigate life. As always, here's a reminder that you do not need to apologize for being yourself, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, did you miss me? It's been a while, I know, um, trying to catch up on on life and get myself back in a normal routine. Um, Let me tell you something, the Disney hangover is is real. I think um, my body was extremely exhausted uh, after the 38 to 40 miles, I think I calculated that we walked in our four days. I actually had one day at Epcot where I walked 24,000 steps. Um, so for those who saw my stories, there's these new balance sneakers that I bought that are literally life changing as far as the Disney world is concerned. Um, but I, and I'll put a link to them in the show description. So if anybody has any long trips that involve walking, lots and lots of walking, these, um, sneakers were a life changer. I have, uh, plantar fasciitis and I didn't even feel it once while I was there. So absolutely amazing. I will put the link in the show notes. Definitely worth, um, trying out. Uh, they have like memory foam. They're just, it was like walking on air. Uh, totally, totally saved my life. Um, Cause I'm pretty sure the last time we went to Disney, I could like barely walk after the first day. Cause I had terrible sneakers. So, um, all right, let's talk about Disney. So I'm sure if you live here in Austin and people on the news heard that Austin or Texas in general had kind of uh, a really bad ice storm. Uh, trees were falling. People were out power. Um, people were out of water. It was a whole, it was a whole thing, um, including flights. Flights are being canceled. And of course, because of my travel luck, those who know me knows that motherly nature and the universe loves to fuck with me when I travel. So guess what? Our flights did get canceled. Um, and because the ice storm was carrying over through, through the night, uh, we couldn't get out until the next afternoon. So we kind of lost a whole day, um, which was, you know, a little upsetting, but we still had enough time to make sure that we got everything in that we needed. Um, we were able to book, uh, we had to actually book with a different airline because Southwest was just done. Like they weren't flying out of Austin whatsoever. So we ended up getting a flight with Spirit. Um, thankfully I was worried there for a minute that we would have to cancel the whole trip. Um, but we were able to get on a flight, get there. And then I'd like to say that their travel day went out went off without a hitch but again if you know me that's never the case so disney world they always had this perk that if you stay at the resorts they offer you transportation they used to call it the magic express and they would take you from the airport to your resort well due to covid and you know how um i'm sure they lost money on and they're trying to recoup money they actually did away with that transportation service. I know, totally doesn't make sense. If you, there should be perks to staying on the resort. And honestly, after this trip, I don't necessarily see those perks anymore. Um, but 
to say the least, they did uh, team up with a third party called Sunshine Flyer, which they pushed heavily. Book your like we were getting emails. Book your transportation from the airport with Sunshine Flyer. So of course we did. Um, it was sixteen dollars there and sixteen dollars back to the airport. Um, have to say, worst uh, shuttle experience of my life. Uh, so we got there on time. Um, you know, based on our flights. It took us an hour to actually get on a shuttle. I don't know why there was no explanation when we asked. We were actually very close to just hopping into hopping into an Uber and going to the resort ourselves, but um, the bus actually ended up pulling in. Um, so that was the first kind of negative experience with it. The second, and probably the deciding factor of why we actually called the, third, the, called the company to, to talk with somebody is because after an hour, like we ended up missing dinner reservations and um, they kind of lost our luggage. Uh, yeah. So basically the way that it's set up is there's a bunch of resorts on Disney if you've ever been there before. And they're all sectioned off based on different park sections. We were um, over at the animation resort. So we were the last stop uh, on this particular shuttle. So as they stopped at all the, as they drop all the guests off to the different stops in the different resorts, they take your luggage out and they, you know, see you on and you're, you're good to go. We were the absolute last two people on the bus. There's nobody there. We get off the bus and they open up the bottom of the shuttle bus to no luggage, like no luggage. So our, both of ours, mine and my husband's um, luggage was not underneath the bus. So after both bus drivers kind of talking it out with each other. They kind of figured out that they must have taken it off at a different stop. So uh, they hopped back into their bus. They left us there um, and we waited because we didn't want to go up to the room yet just in case um, our luggage was found because, you know, I have medication and all this stuff. It's a whole thing. Uh, so they, after about, I want to say 30 minutes, they came back. They did find our luggage. Nobody took it, but I guess it was just like chilling at another resort hanging out. So I guess two things, happy that nobody was like, okay, somebody left their luggage here. Let me bring it to the front desk or, you know, let me take it for myself. And they just left it there. So there's, I don't know how I feel about that. Thank you for not being courteous, but also thank you, um, you know, for, for leaving it there. I don't really know. So yes, we got our, we got our luggage back. So after a long day of travel, we finally make it to our hotel room and we get to surprise Aubrey who was I think in such shock and surprise at the moment that she didn't know what to do so she just kind of swayed and she smiled and she ran and gave my husband a hug and then it was honestly the cutest thing I think is that she thought the resort was Disney World and she was very happy like she went to the pool she got to watch TV um, she saw some you know characters within the resort like she had no idea that what was coming and that anticipation of knowing that she had no idea probably is what made the trip the best because honestly seeing everything through her her eyes throughout the whole you know time we were there was just absolutely amazing like she is just the sweetest oh just the sweetest little girl she she made it all four days without a nap uh no temper tantrums well maybe little ones but nothing to be like oh my god she was very well reserved in herself and she was she's so expressive like she can literally just tell you how you're how she's feeling and you don't have to to you know guess um my brother and sister-in-law are, are very lucky and like i can't even 
I could speak volumes and how great of parents they are. So it was really such a treat to see her. Um, and it was really fun to kind of see how she would be on rides, right? So she's only ever done like carnival rides. So these were all, these big rides were all new to her. Um, we <laughs> we accidentally learned uh, that she doesn't like dark rides in this story. I, it had John crying. Like, I can't, I'm like laughing so hard inside because I know like what's about to come. So one of the first days or one of the, I don't know if it was the first or second day. I actually can't, I think the second day. Um, we Guardians of the Galaxy is a new ride in Disney. And normally all of us, because we're all kind of Disney people, will watch YouTube videos to kind of see what Disney's working on and uh, any new rides or if rides are going to be on hold or taken down. This whole, there's a whole like world of Disney on YouTube. So one of the rides that we were anticipating and very excited to see was called Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's based on, on the movie. And it, it was honestly, it was really, really cool. But what made it <laughs> kind of <laughs> special or hilarious is since we didn't know what the ride was, we just assumed that, you know, it like wasn't, we assumed it wasn't a roller coaster because, I mean, it's Disney. They don't really have roller coasters. I mean, they have Space Mountain and they have Rock and Roller Coaster, um, both of which that are in the dark. So this is kind of that. When we, when you get onto it, you walk through and you get into a cart and we get locked in and none of us like discussed what was about to happen because we didn't really know. And all I remember is John going, oh shit, because they like lock us in and then they just launch you. And I just start laughing hysterically because all I can think about is my poor sister-in-law is probably losing her shit because her daughter is on her first roller coaster. Oh God, I'm tearing up thinking about this. So we go through it and I don't even remember if Aubrey like screamed. I like, I don't remember our hair was whipping in our face because we, we didn't know it was a roller coaster. So literally hairs whipping in our faces. I'm laughing hysterically. I'm like in tears. We, we finally get to the end on a side note. Awesome ride, really cool. So if you guys are going anytime soon, definitely check it out. Anyways, we get off of the ride. I'm crying, just thinking about it. We get off of the ride and like Aubrey is, she's not crying. She's completely composed and she just goes like, I didn't like that ride or something along those terms. But if you saw my sister-in-law, she was just like, oh my God, I'm the worst. Like, it's just, and John, John's crying because we all knew, like, we we all fucked up. Like, this, this shouldn't have happened. But thankfully, Aubrey was very <laughs> capable of just going, I didn't like that ride. No crying, nothing. So after we all came down and, like, settled because we were all, like, laughing and I'm, I'm sure my sister-in-law was, like, battling something inside of her. So we just... After we finally calmed down, we we just told Aubrey was like, that was a spaceship. And, you know, that was scary. Like she was kind of just telling us, you know, her thoughts on the ride. So we kind of just turned it around that she saved the world. Like she went into space and she saved the world. And she's like, yay, I saved the world. So um, <laughs> it, it was definitely an experience. So just as a warning, <laughs> if you don't know anything about the ride, it is a roller coaster. It is in the dark, very similar to Space Mountain and rock and roller coasters. So just a heads up if you are going there. <laughs> oh man. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is, I think I mentioned in the last episode I recorded how I totally fucked up and didn't get the bippity boppity experience for Aubrey. 
Now, with that said, kind of happy I didn't because after rethinking it and knowing we missed a day, we needed more times in the park. My understanding is Bippity Boppity can take up to two to three hours for the service, I think. So what I did, and I know I mentioned it before, is I uh, went on Thumbtack and I found a makeup artist to come to the hotel room as a fairy godmother for Aubrey on her birthday. It was such a hit. Uh, The woman, Nicole, um, I have her Instagram information. I'm going to put her in the show notes. So if anybody is going into the Orlando area for whatever occasion and need makeup, she was phenomenal. Um, She even went ahead, like she even went on her own without even me asking. She bought Aubrey a little, not even a little, it was like a big makeup palette and her own lipstick and she got to do her hair and makeup and she was dressed in her bell gown. So it was really something special. And Nicole was absolutely great. Um, I like, I, I can't even begin to describe, describe how thankful I am that she got to experience that. So shout out to Nicole, if you're listening, thank you so much for that. It was really, really a special treat. And again, I'll leave her Instagram in the show notes, just in case anybody is interested. Um, and booking with her. Um, so yeah, that was, that was probably, that was on Saturday. Oh, you know what I did want to talk about? I'm sorry if I seem kind of squirrely. I'm trying to stay as scripted as I possibly can or on track, I should say, but I want to talk about Disney and their gluten-free options. So as most of you know, I got diagnosed with celiac disease last year. So finding gluten-free options when going out to eat is kind of impossible. Um, Disney is no joke. Like I legit got to eat anything and everything I wanted because they had a gluten-free option. You actually can order like from your phone or you could talk to a chef at any of the restaurants and they will literally make you anything or, or a version of what's on the menu for you. They're, all the servers were very knowledgeable. They were able to tell me what I couldn't eat. Um, and they were even as strict with the cross-contamination. And a lot of restaurants don't acknowledge cross-contamination as a gluten um, issue. And I've also met people who don't, um, it's clearly because they don't have celiac disease and they're just gluten-free for whatever the reason may be. But a lot of restaurants don't take an account for cross-contamination. Disney does. Everywhere we went, they, they were like, nope, you cannot have this. It's in the same fry later. So for anybody listening, going to Disney and has a gluten-free, you know, lives a gluten-free lifestyle, hands down, like the greatest place on earth to eat for gluten-free options. So that was, that was, it, it made life a lot easier, um, for me. Cause that's kind of stressful with traveling sometimes, especially, I mean, of course it's Disney. Like why wouldn't they, excuse me, why wouldn't they have the greatest options on earth, uh, for gluten-free, but it can be stressful when traveling because you don't necessarily know where you're going. I like, I know, when we travel, like when we go camping or whatnot, um, and we're tra- we're doing our road trips to get there, it's a little harder because there's a lot of fast food. So I do try to pack snacks, but the stress of not knowing what I can eat, where I can eat, can kind of, you know, add frustration to our trips. So I've been better with packing snacks and making sure that I have researched everything on the way there so I know where we can eat um, or where at least I can eat. Um, but yeah, Disney was top notch. So shout out to Disney because you made my life a lot easier as far as eating is concerned. And I didn't have hip pain one time I was there because when they say they don't cross contaminate, they literally don't cross contaminate. So that was, that it was just awesome. Like I, I can't even 
but it was just, I'm see, lost for words. I can't even explain like how easy it made my life while I was there. So what else has been going on? Oh, for those who follow me on Instagram, I recently added to my tattoo that I had on my back. Um, and I put it uh, over onto my shoulder. So I have a clock and compass with some flowers and gears on my back, which actually, um, not funny, but funny story. When I first moved to Austin, one of the first, one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to get a tattoo, um, kind of just memorialize the fact that I have moved away from home, you know, and I'm starting this next chapter with my husband. So I went with a compass and a clock. Now, I had searched on Instagram obsessively to find a tattoo artist that I really wanted to see, um, and I found one, and I made an appointment with him, and I'm not even going to mention the name because it's just, the story is ridiculous. So I get in with him, come to find out, doesn't speak English, so he needed a translator. So the translator is translating my idea to him, and I mentioned I didn't want roses because I have roses on my my feet and I you know I wanted a little bit of lace but I wanted the, the, the main part was the compass and the clock. Clock points to two uh, because that's the time we got married. Compass pointing to the northeast because we're from New England. Um, so after about 15-20 minutes of the translation with the artist they asked me for a hundred dollars so he could draw it up. Um, so I paid and he drew it up and it was nothing like I described, like it was nothing but roses in one small little compass. It was just, it was a hot mess. It was, it, I was so upset. So being upset, I explained to them, I, you know, this isn't what I asked for to which they responded that it's exactly what I asked for. And, um, told me that if I didn't like it, that unfortunately to draw another one, I would have to pay them more money. So I'm pretty sure I basically got swindled by, because I'm a woman and they just figured they could fuck with me. So instead of fighting with them, because I just didn't have the patience at the time, I looked for another tattoo artist. So I have to say kudos to me to just not giving up because I had a terrible experience. I did go and find somebody, Kelly Barr, a tried and true, tried and true tattoo in Austin. Well, that was the shop at the time. I went in, I explained the story. He was so nice and, you know, to even draw up the drawing, he didn't charge me his full rate of the deposit because he wanted to make sure I was comfortable because of the experience that I had. So he was able, or I was able to work with him. Um, I actually ended up drawing out kind of what I wanted just to give him an idea because maybe, you know, as some of you may know, I'm not exactly great at verbalizing everything that I want. Um, so <laughs> I ended up drawing kind of the idea out and then he drew it. And he, oh, it's, it was so beautiful and I absolutely fell in love. So it took me two sessions to do the piece that I have in my back. So, and it's gorgeous. Um, I can post pictures. Um, I think I can post pictures on the, on the show notes or I could do it on social media. So anyways, so five years have passed and for the last two years I've been talking about how I wanted a bull, a bull skull. I don't know what the obsession is. I just, I'm very drawn to them and I really wanted one. So one of the things that has been kind of keeping me from doing it is not knowing where I wanted to put it. So a couple of weeks ago, I, I or, or December, I think it was, I kind of just said, fuck it. I'm just going to add, I'm just going to do it on my right shoulder. 
So I had this idea of putting it on my other shoulder and I was going to go back to Kelly because he did such a phenomenal job on my first tattoo, or not my first tattoo, but my first tattoo with him. And I was like, I'll just have him do the other side. And then after talking and kind of like going through my head and talking with some of some of my friends and you know family members, I decided it would probably make more sense since I'm going to the same guy to continue the style on my left side. So I ended up adding the bull skull with the same flowers and gears to come up through my shoulder uh, on my left hand side. So I did that on Saturday. I'm officially obsessed. I, I can't stop staring at it. Um, and I'm like, I can't wait to actually, you know, wear shirts that show it off. Like I'm, I'm so in love with them. So obsessed. So I will post pictures of that as well. I already did, but I'll post them again um, for you guys to see again. So that was this weekend. So now that I've kind of caught you guys up, um, one of the things that I wanted to take the time to talk about is kind of what to expect for upcoming episodes. Now, my my idea right now is to be every other Wednesday because honestly, <laughs> I'm tired. Mama's tired. Um, we have our house on the market right now, so we're constantly in a state of we need to get up and leave for whenever time, anytime there, there's a showing, we need to make sure the house is clean. Weekends are basically non-existent in our home because we get so many showings on the weekend. So it's kind of hard for me to plan what I'm able to do. So right now I'm kind of just leaving it as every other Wednesday. If I end up getting, you know, a lot of feedback that people want more of me and you know what, I'll make the time and we'll have an episode every other, every week. Um, and sometimes I might just throw in episodes just for the hell of it. But one of the things that I, I really am excited to continue to do is interview people. I have interviews scheduled with some friends just to kind of hop on and chit chat, maybe have a cocktail. Um, I also have some repeating uh, guests coming back, some guests that we have in the past kind of doing a catch up sesh with them. I also have in the next two weeks, I have about five or six interviews um, with like professionals. I have some therapist, I have a therapist, excuse me, I have a physical therapist who is now turned into a coach. I have a life and relationship coach. I have a uh, pelvic floor uh, therapist coming on. So there's a lot of things that um, I have in the works. Um, one of the ones that I'm interviewing this week that I'm excited for, and if you follow me on social media, I've been sharing uh, some of her stories in her post. Um, and I shared when I was listening to her book, I actually didn't have a chance to actually read it, but I actually did my first audio book with this book, um, called Grief Ally um, by Allie Bird. And it's a uh, kind of a how-to guide on how to support the person in your life who may be going through grief. Um, something, you know, I feel like we all may struggle with because we kind of get put in these positions where we, where somebody is struggling with grief. Maybe they've lost a loved one, you know, a pet, uh, a job. I mean, there's all types, all forms of grief. And understanding how to play a specific role in that person's life, I think is very difficult for all of us. So me being the person I am, I'm very much, let me do everything I can for you. And I probably can be overbearing sometimes. So this was a nice little educational piece to kind of ground myself and understand that when people are experiencing um, grief, you know, whatever the case of grief may be, uh, of how to kind of be an ally and, and really 
I guess not make it about me. I know that sounds so selfish, but you know, sometimes as a support person in somebody's life, we tend to, you know, make it about ourselves because we, we want to do more. We, we, we feel like we're not doing enough and we want help to get the person to get better, that we're so focused on all the things that we can do that we're not focusing on what the person actually needs. And it was a, I'm actually quite happy that I read it at the time that I did because I recently um, had somebody very close to me go through a very uh, deep anxiety and panic state for about four or five days. And it was hard at first because I really wanted to jump in and just kind of take control and, and help them with whatever they needed. But I took a step back and kind of just said, okay, what does she need? You know, what does this person need from me? Um, and this book actually not to deal with grief or, um, I'm sorry, because the book dealt with grief, it was actually, it actually taught me how to just be a support person, regardless of what I needed to support. Um, and, you know, thankfully, my, this person in my life is on the up and up. It, she sounds completely better. Um, not completely better, but she sounds better than she did. But this book was also a good reminder of, you know, even in these situations of what role you should be playing. And also, there was a lot of information on what to do and how to help yourself as a support person. Because honestly, when we're in moments of stress, because of something like this in our lives, we tend to lose control or light of or sight of the situation. So there was a lot of tips on how to, you know, take care of yourself so you can be the best person um, for the person in your life that needs that support. Um, so yeah, and it, it with regards to um, the person in my life that was going through the, the state of panic and, you know, severe anxiety to the point where they weren't sleeping, they weren't eating. Um, it's, it's kind of scary watching somebody go through that. And from my experience, I've never had a state of panic. I have had anxiety moments and I've had super depressive moments. And it it's really interesting to see how people act in those situations when they know that they are feeling that way. This person was able to verbalize, you know, what they were feeling, what they thought they needed, was able to research for themselves, really, truly wanted to get better, and still a part of her was fighting to come out. She wasn't necessarily lost. And it's really interesting to me because when I think of situations that I have found myself in, especially in those depressive moments that I've had over the last two years due to my autoimmune disease, um, I'm very much leave me alone. Let me sit here. Don't bother me. I don't want to talk about it. I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I can't verbalize those feelings in those moments that I have. Um, and my husband has learned very much so what I do need without me telling him. And I was explaining to this person um, yesterday about how different we were in these situations because she was very much like she wanted people around her. She needed that support. Whereas I'm very much that leave me alone. I want to be by myself. John has learned how to be kind of aggressive with me in those moments because he knows that's what I need. Whereas she just wants that comforting part. So it's really interesting to see, you know, how our brains kind of change us in those moments. Like me going from, you know, always talkative, always, you know, 
want to be the social person. I'm a social butterfly. I want to, I'm, I literally love to be the center of attention. So for me to go from that extreme to just let me be here and crawl in a hole, crawl, crawl in a hole. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't want to say it's comical, but it, it almost is. It's, it's ironic that you can have that just light switch turn you off. Um, which also led me to believe, led me to learn too, like how hard it is to actually get therapy appointments. You know, I know I've mentioned over the course of the last year that I've been trying to get into therapy. Um, and I've had three different, you know, places that I've tried that just kind of never called me back or weren't able to schedule me. Um, this person that I was, you know, working with, or I don't like to say the word working with, this person that I was supporting the last few days, uh, even for her to find therapy, she finally was able to get in somebody on Thursday, uh, this Thursday coming up. Um, but it was there, I mean, there were some appointments, you know, a month out, like, what do you do when, when you have somebody who's struggling that bad, um, and needs, you know, a quick medical intervention. So eventually she was able to get the help she needed, uh, with medication and she's, she is on the mend. Um, but as I was saying, therapy appointments. So I know I've mentioned in the past, uh, our, our, one of our guests, Michelle, has reached out to me to um, talk about different therapies because she know she knew I was struggling trying to find a therapist. So, as you know, I've scheduled my RTT therapy, which is that rapid transformative therapy, and I will link all of the um, all of the supporting stuff that I use to help me make the decision to have this type of therapy. Um, it's kind of the basis of this therapy is to not put people through weeks or years, weeks, months, years of therapy. It's really just to kind of get to the subconscious, figure out what the issue is and help you move on, which is absolutely perfect for me because as you know, I don't like to stew in my shit and I'm surprised, excuse me, that I've lasted as long as I have with what I've been dealing with. So um, that appointment is today. Um, really excited. I don't know what to expect. I. I'm kind of hoping I awake as this, as the same person, but that can just be herself again. Um, and there's a lot of things I've been struggling with creativity wise, job wise, not relationship wise. I feel that part, at least I think, I, I, I mean, I know at least with my relationship with my husband, but relationship wise, I just feel like I haven't been myself with the people in my life um, not as, you know, forthcoming, loud, you know, you name it. Like, I feel like I've been a little bit different. So I'm really hoping that after this is done, I, you know, wake up, obviously there's some homework I have to do. I get to listen to part of the recording for, um, 20 days. That's like my homework. And supposedly it's supposed to help me heal myself. So this idea of having to go through therapy weekly, um, it, it won't be a thing for me. So I will follow up with how that is. Um, and I will have information in the show links of what the therapy consists of in case anybody is interested and feels the same. I recently had a friend that I referred, kind of referred the same uh, therapist that I'm using to her. Uh, and she was, you know, in years of therapy and she just kind of felt that she plateaued and she needed, it was, it was, it was draining, like therapy became draining for her. So she actually did her session last week and she was speechless and she was very grateful that I had introduced 
uh, the idea to her and she is working on her homework and she feels that she's she's better. So I'm kind of excited. I'm very excited actually to see what what happens. So that's it for me personally. I guess I could kind of get into you know why I'm continuing this and, and what I know I mentioned you know the guests and interviewing women, but one of the things that I think I wanted to continue with this podcast was because I think I've learned so much about how women apologize or what we've used, what we apologize for. And I recently had one of my best friends send me uh, like a, a quote on Instagram is that women have years to it, or I'm sorry, it takes women years to unlearn the things we were taught to apologize for. And it really kind of sat with me because speaking with all these women over the, the last year, you really realize like the, the things that we apologize for are, are silly. Like we are taught to apologize because it's, it's polite. You know, as young girls, we're taught that we need to be well-mannered and we need to be courteous. Um, and I'm sure people listening to this, this sounds crazy, but you know, I'm sure you feel that, right? Like, so if you're listening and you think you're apologizing for things that, you know, maybe you shouldn't be apologizing for, cut the shit. Let's go. Just, I'm not saying don't be polite or don't be courteous or don't apologize for things that you did wrong, but like, let's stop apologizing for for the sake of apologies. It's just, it's not warranted. And I can think of a hundred times or a hundred situations I apologize for things in the past that I would, you wouldn't catch me dead doing today. Like I just, I used to apologize for like being the loudest in the room or being too honest or, you know, basically just being too much. Well, um, if I've learned anything about myself over the last few years, that was a disservice and I wasn't able to truly be who I am. And I think as I sit here and I think about the title of the podcast and why I created it, I just, I still won't apologize for who I am. I mean, that still won't apologize. Yes, I was unlikely to apologize for it in the past and in, in maybe in my <laughs> honesty and raw and unfiltered personality may have put myself in situations where yes, apologies were warranted, but and I will take, and honestly, I'm going to say this. If I do feel I truly hurt somebody or I truly was in the wrong, I will apologize. Will it take me a moment to get to that that point? Maybe, because of course I have to analyze the whole situation and make sure that what I'm doing or what I did was in fact hurtful and not something I, I want to do or do to other people or be like, I think that is one of my huge um, factors. And when I choose to apologize for something, and that's the key word, I'm choosing to apologize because I do truly feel that I was in the wrong, whether I hurt you or I made a mistake, but this shit about apologizing just to apologize. mm -mm. I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not doing it anymore. And honestly, that's what I want for this platform to be for everybody. I want everybody to be empowered to stop apologizing for the things that you're not sorry for. Um, you need to really respect your authentic self and truly be who you are. And that starts with not apologizing for, I'm sorry, that starts with not, not apologizing. Um, stop apologizing for the things that you're not sorry for. Um, 
And I think once, and it's, it's going to take time. I can honestly say it took me years. Uh, I actually remember there's one situation that comes, uh, one memory. I remember my husband, this is when we were dating. He said, why do you always apologize for everything? And I was like, I don't know, because I feel bad. And then I learned there's a difference in being sorry and being empathetic. And I had to teach myself that I'm apologizing because I feel an emotion that I don't necessarily know how to communicate. So my first go-to is I'm sorry because I feel bad. And really, it's just empathy. So I learned how to express that empathy in different ways. Like, oh, shit, that sucks. Is there anything I can do? Or, oh, I really hate that you feel that way. I feel it too. So I've, I've learned these different expressions to help me navigate those feelings. And I now truly understand that what I'm feeling is sympathy or empathy. It's, it's not sorrow, <laughs> if that makes sense. So really, when you, the next time you feel the urge to say sorry, take a minute, really think about the situation and listen to your thoughts in your heart. And, and are, you, are you empathizing? Are you sympathizing? Or do you really truly feel sorrow? for something that you did or something that has happened. I think that's a kind of a powerful thing for me or was a powerful thing for me was actually listening to how I was feeling so I can verbalize it correctly. Because part of me feels like every time we apologize for something that we don't necessarily need to apologize for, it kind of takes a chunk of us away, right? So I think that if you take the time to truly be your authentic self and you don't apologize for the things that you are not sorry for and you don't apologize for who you are there are and if there are people who have an issue with you being that true authentic self they're just not your people the people who are your people will embrace this honesty and embrace the true you and and will let you live your life and love you unconditionally for it because that's what matters. You need to love yourself unconditionally enough to trust yourself to be the person that you are. And that should start with not apologizing. So uh, I guess I'm going to leave you guys on that note. That's it for this week. I will be back shortly and you guys all have a good one. Talk soon. Bye everyone.